0: So how hungry are you is the question tonight. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 6. We've already looked at this scripture, but let's start there tonight. We praise you, Lord God, for your word. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through the word tonight. And Lord, let there be more than just words. There be impartation that faith would cometh by come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the good ground of our hearts. That your word does not return boy, but it uh, it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold because we're not hearers of the word only, but we are doers of the word. And we are blessed in our deeds. Okay, Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, and um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. I know you all know that. But it says, uh, so Jesus preached this, and he said, Verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be fulfilled. Or be filled. Hallelujah. They shall be filled. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago that this was a law. This is a kingdom law, just like the law of faith, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, just like the law of gravity. This is law. When people hunger and thirst for righteousness, they get filled. It does not ever work differently than that. And that's important to know. So if we can turn our hunger up, we're going to get a greater filling, and that's what we all need, that's what we all want, that's what it's going to take to have the things we want, to walk in the fullness of prosperity, the fullness of health, divine health, not just divine healing, but divine health, to, uh, uh, to have all the promises that the word promises. Uh, it's going to take, uh, we're gonna, you can't stay at one level and have the blessings of another level, so we have to hunger in order to move up uh, uh, to greater levels. The corporate things that we want to see. The promises and the the prophecies that have come forth about Alabama, they're not going to happen on one level. They're going to happen on a level that we hadn't even been in yet, but we're pressing towards. Yeah. And we're not at the same level we started at. When we started in 1996 in no 97 in Tuscaloosa Uh, we started at one level and we've gone through many metamorphoses and been changed I know we're not the same pastors we're not the same people Um, and uh, we have we operate at a different level than we operated at because we've listened to the word and been doers of the word and so we've moved up higher I know especially over in the area of prayer uh, God's been gracious to give us a greater understanding where prayer is concerned Um, how Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Lord. And he's been preparing us for what he really wants us to do here. We have yet to do in Tuscaloosa County what God really wants us to do. And even this year uh, uh, went about a repositioning, a revamping in order for us to be able to do what he really wants us to do here. Hallelujah. We certainly weren't prepared to do it in 1997 and we would have done it wrong. We had a paradigm, if you would, a way of thinking concerning a church that was not God's ideal. You know, we've always, I think we tend to think we've reached the ultimate when we're only just getting started. Hallelujah. You know, in 1980, when we got filled with the Spirit, we pretty much thought that was the ultimate, you know, we spoke in tongues. Oh, my Lord. How could there be more? And then you find out, oh, there's so much more. And really what you end up finding out is, man, that, you just got started when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And if you aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, you hadn't even started yet. You hadn't even started running the race yet. Hallelujah. How Jesus Jesus said that. He said, no, you, you tarry in Jerusalem until you receive that. You can't even start what I've called you to do until you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we're started. Hallelujah. Like Andrew Womack says, I'm not finished, but I left. I haven't arrived, but I left. That's how he says it. Deuteronomy 8.3. I'm going to get over there. And so we've left. And we had to leave some things in behind in Coker. We had to leave a perfectly good church building. Uh, Hallelujah. It looked more churchy than this. And we had to leave that behind. We left a name behind. And uh that was some people would say, well, you had 11, 12, how many years? How many years have we been here? 15? Let's figure that 15. You have 15 years of name recognition in Tuxcaloosa County. And um, hallelujah. (coughs) And now you are started out with a month or a month and a half of name recognition. So we let to leave some things behind to go to a higher level. We had to get a new name to get a new way of thinking to get a new um, to get a to for God to do what he wanted to do. Uh, in Tuscaloosa so well, I'm excited about it I don't understand it all sometimes the other day I thought Lord sometimes I feel like I'm feeling my way in the dark because uh, this is a new way of living hallelujah yeah. uh, praise God but that's okay yeah. hallelujah he called us to walk by faith and one thing that causes us to do is to be dependent on God And that's a good place to be when you have to depend on God. Hallelujah. Uh, And Pastor told uh, uh, Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer, but uh, the girls, Ginger and uh, Nicole said, y'all will never be the same. And they won't. They will never be the same. Now, the boys, I think they're just like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So, so. uh, (laughs) nicole doesn't slap me or something you know uh but uh hallelujah and the uh the the brothers and sisters which they you know they're just like okay he's down in nicole's way you know <laughs> hallelujah but it's good i'm glad i tell you what i hope my kids would not let a bunch of old unbelieving kinfolks come up there and and uh, you know i hallelujah thank you jesus Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Deuteronomy 8, 3. Are we there? And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So God uh, says he allowed them to hunger. Because, why did he allow them to hunger? Because he wanted them to know something. And you don't find out anything without hungering. You don't get revelation without hungering for revelation. And he wanted them to know something. What he wanted them to know was that man did not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So he allowed them to hunger. You know, we talked about this about a week ago that the, one of the challenging parts about the Christian life is to be full because we are to be filled with the Spirit and we are to stay full of the Spirit, but at the same time to be hungry. And so that's a balancing thing that we have to do. We know that hunger in the physical is a sign of health. If you're not hungry, there's something wrong physically. If you're not hungry, hallelujah. I know I've heard of people that just didn't care anything about food uh I, I have been tempted to think i wish i didn't care <laughs> you know uh but but really hunger is a sign of health and spiritual hunger is a sign of spiritual health and if you're not hungry spiritually you're not healthy spiritually and so we will always want to stay hungry and there's some things we'll have to do to cause that to happen uh the we want to always have an environment in the church of blessing but we also want the church to be a place of hunger. Uh, Hunger, one of the evidences of hunger is humility. In other words, if you're hungry, you have that, I'm needy. I need God. That's why I said a while ago, it's always good to be in a place where you have to depend on God because that's a place of hunger and you're sure to grow. You're sure to go to another level. You're sure to have increase if you are in a place where you're having to depend on God and hear God and listen to God and believe God. And so it's not a bad place to be. If you're in a place where you have to depend on God financially, you may be more blessed in the in this church than those that don't have to depend on God. Because sometimes when we get full and satisfied even financially, or we get to a place where we don't have to believe God anymore, one of the things we quit doing is we quit being hungry if we don't guard against that so we need to have a, i am needy god i need you not only do i want you in my life i need you in my life and so both of those things also maturity we want to be spiritually mature maturity is sustained by hunger in other words think about this because the minute i'm not hungry i quit growing And the minute I quit growing, I start falling behind because the kingdom of God is progressive. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is always growing. And so when I quit growing, I'm already falling behind. And if I'm hungry, pretty if I'm not hungry, pretty soon I will cease to be a mature Christian. I may have been a mature Christian, but I can quit being a mature Christian by quit being hungry because the kingdom of God will outgrow me. And then I'm no longer mature. For instance, maybe you were the most mature one in the church you were in before this church. But in this church, you're going to have to run to keep up because there's some people that are running the race. They're praying and they will, they will. And, and I've noticed, I've even noticed this sometimes that, and sometimes this is, I'll just say this and, and then the pastor can delete it if he wants to. But sometimes that's why people leave the church because there begins to be a gap between them, if they don't grow, all of a sudden, there's a gap between the body of believers that is growing and these, and those that aren't. And it's like, they don't identify anymore. It's like, well, I used to really enjoy church. Now I don't identify. Because why? Because they quit growing. And it, and, it, and it's, a, it's a sad thing in some ways because we want everybody to grow. We want everybody as family to us. And we love all our church members, and God brings them. But if you don't continue to grow pretty soon, the gap, and you know that happens with husbands and wives. Did you ever see a wife get baptized in the Holy Ghost? And her and her husband were really close, really tight. All of a sudden, she begins to pursue God. She gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, the relationship begins to have a gap in it. And because the husband's not keeping up spiritually, maybe he's stubborn, maybe he's got his he- heels dug in, maybe he's, I'm old Baptist deacon, I'm not ever going to change. And so all of a sudden there's this gap and their marriage isn't even the same. And I suppose it could happen with men too, but it seems like to me, the, what I've seen more often is that women uh will press in there to grow and get the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometimes before men. Well, thank God, you know, Pastor, Hey, I I was the one that initiated. I said I want y'all to pray for us that I that I want you. I said I don't know about Michael, but I want you to pray for me that I'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know who, how why it came out of his mouth, but he said I do too. And so on the very same day, January first, nineteen eighty, at the very same time, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so, but, and sometimes, you know, I have to run to keep up with him and sometimes he will, he'll say, you know, I'm going to keep up. We, and so we have maintained that keeping up with each other and not letting, and you know, we do that sometimes, by I say, you got to listen to this CD. You have to listen to it because I don't want to know something you don't know. And I really feel that way. And, and he'll do the same thing with me. Or he'll, I, sometimes I'll read to him from a book. Cause I want him to know what I know. I don't want him to be like, well, I didn't know that. And she, and you know, I, we want to stay together. So stay together as husbands and wives cause it'll hurt your marriage. There's been marriages that split up that were good marriages. And started out great and went in unity, but it just didn't work because she kept on growing and he wouldn't grow. Now that doesn't mean you want to not grow, you know, and stop because, oh well, my husband's not. So I'm, I've seen that happen too. And that doesn't get anybody anywhere. So, uh, I praise God, uh, for growth and for maturity. In the kingdom, we get hungry by eating. And sometimes we have to do that in, uh, in the phys. I've never had the force feed myself, but I have heard that people that, you know, maybe have gone on an extended fast or people that have gone on a um, or, or have been sick and that, that they will encourage them to eat, eat something, eat something. Even Jesus, when he raised the little girl from the dead, he said, what did he say? He said, give her something to eat. And so we need to get her appetite back. We need to get her hungry again. She probably had lost weight. She probably, her blood sugar was probably, low. I mean, Jesus, when he got her raised from the dead, he knew she needed put something in her stomach and eat something, get her blood sugar leveled out, get, you know, he, uh, all those things going. And so uh, uh, that's the way, but in the kingdom, we get hungry by eating. So when we need motivation, like if we need motivation in prayer, maybe you say, well, I, I really do want to pray more, but I'm just not motivated. I've been there when I just wasn't motivated. Well, the way you get motivated is to expose yourself to something. If you can expose yourself to other prayers, or a lot of times I use uh, devotionals to expose myself to, I know Lynn Hammond has a prayer devotional, uh, Benny Benny Johnson has a prayer devotional, and uh, that, boy, I can read them, and I'm just like, oh, this just makes, it nearly makes me salivate um, to read it. I'm just like, it makes me that hungry you know, or to listen to a CD or a tape by somebody that prays. And if you need to get hungry in any area of spiritual life, then you have to expose yourself to it. As long as you don't expose yourself to it, you'll never be hungry. And you know that works in the natural. If you want to get hungry, we'll just go by a restaurant and walk by and smell something. I know we, uh now I did, a I baked a cake on Saturday. I'd already baked on one, I had already baked a pound cake a homemade pound cake, and we'd had strawberry shortcake, and it was like, they could, you know, there's 11 of us now, so it's just like when one meal's over, there's a slice that big. And then the next night, Colin said, I want, because we were celebrating his birthday late, he wanted me to make chocolate cobbler. And so I made chocolate cobbler, and there was not, they licked the plate clean of that. And uh, and so then the next morning I thought, well, I got company for two more days, three really, because that was Saturday morning. I got to bake something else, so I got up and baked a chocolate cake while they went to Toys R Us, because Granddad is the big Toys R Us Granddad, and he had promised Andrew we're going to Toys R Us, and boy, there he was. Andrew was excited. You know, and, uh, so, so I baked this chocolate cake. And when they came back from Toys R Us, it was about lunchtime. Well, it's sitting there and it's hot or still warm, pretty warm, and it smells good. And so Anita got in the car. They were going home, uh, and uh, we didn't eat or anything. They went on home and, uh, she said, I wasn't even hungry till I smelled that cake. And Eric said, it was good. And she said, you ate some? And so True Confessions came out that night, and he had taken, it was a bunk cake, and he had not taken a slice, he had got in down at the bottom and got a chunk, and then turned it to the wall, so nobody could see it, and um, hallelujah, but my point is that the smell of that cake... Got them really hungry. And I told him, I said, Eric, if you just said, Mom, can I have a slice, I would have given you one. He said, well, I was afraid you'd say no, and I knew I'd have to disobey. (laughs) And uh, so, uh, anyway, um, your secrets are not safe with me. (laughs) Anyway, but my point is, this is a really good point, uh, back that when we expose ourselves to something, they hadn't even thought about being hungry, all of a sudden they get exposed to warm chocolate cake the smell of it and it's like all of a sudden it's like you will you will sneak around and you're you're motivated you're gonna find a way to get a piece of that cake and um and we didn't you know the funny part is we wouldn't even have noticed if he hadn't told us i mean i because i had already sliced some slices out and it was still on the other side Uh you know so but he was so honest uh (laughs) Hallelujah. So we got to have this motivation. In Deuteronomy 8, 3, where we were just reading there, he said, I caused you to hunger and I fed you with manna. Well, manna, the word manna means, uh, what is it? So he gave them what is it and they still didn't know what it was. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was a mystery. You know, I'll talk about Eric again. I used to say when he was going to Hillcrest High School, what'd y'all have for lunch today? And he would say, mystery meat. (laughs) Well, manna was sort of like that. It was a mystery. What is it? And uh, they didn't know what it was even after they ate it. But God, see, what we want... I guess as humans, this is the human side of us, we want an explanation for everything. And like, well, God, why are we moving from Coker? And God keeps things, some things, a mystery. And the reason that He does is He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust. He wants us to trust Him because when we trust Him in mystery, then we end up getting more revelation than we would have gotten and the reason for that sometimes is, is even in the mystery, we're not ready to understand it yet. Have you ever not known enough to, for God to even explain it to you before? I know I have been that way where it's like, well, boy, I wouldn't have understood that if you told me back then. But now I understand it clearly. Have you ever listened to a tape and didn't understand a word about word it? And then maybe two years later or a book and two years later you go, well, this makes perfect sense. And uh, uh, that used to be kind of unusual to me, but now it's very usual for me to buy a bunch of books. I order books a lot off Amazon and from different ministers, and I'll just set them on my shelf. I have a whole section that's new books, and then all of a sudden, I may just remember one day a book, and I did that recently. It's like i just I just thought of a book I had bought, and I just went in there and got it, and it was just like, oh man, it was just it's just like eating chocolate cake. It was so good. It's so good. I mean, you know, you can get so excited over a book. Don't ever just force yourself to, you know, you had to do that when you went to college. Uh, The reading assignment, did you ever just force yourself and just like, oh, my Lord, I just rather, my mother used to say, I'd rather be nibbled to death by little ducks. Now, that's not a good confession, but that was what she used to say. But anyway... Uh, that's not what we're supposed to be doing in the spiritual world is forcing ourselves to read the Bible, forcing ourselves to read a book. No, find the one you're hungry for. The book or the chapter. Uh, and sometimes I'll be like, I'll come to the end of a chapter, like I came to the end of Philippians uh, this morning, and sometimes before I even get to the end, I'm like, I can't wait to read Hebrews. I just want to read Hebrews. Hebrews and Romans are my two favorite books in the New Testament. And sometimes I'll just get like that about a book. Or recently I was like, oh, I just, when I finish, uh, I forget where I was, but I, in the Old Testament, but I thought, I got to read Joshua. Oh, I was in Nehemiah. I was reading Nehemiah. And I was like, I just got to read Joshua. I have got to read it. And I was, that's, that's what I was hungry for. I was hungry to read it. And when you're hungry to read it, you get stuff out of it. It tastes good. Hallelujah. And if you don't feel that way about the Word, then you need to find something you're hungry for and start feeding on it. Hallelujah. So get hungry by eating. So they God keeps mysteries. He has mysteries for us because He wants us to trust Him. Tom's turn to 106, Psalm 107. That's where we were a while ago, but we're going to go up higher. Psalm 107, verse 4. Hallelujah. And if you just aren't hungry for any place in the Word, eat something anyway, and you'll get hungry. Or listen to a CD. Find something that's interesting you, and it'll make you hungrier, and it'll feed you. Psalm 107, verse 4. Uh, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So we have something really interesting here here the the children of Israel is what he's talking about when they left Egypt and they kept looking for a city to dwell in they kept looking for the city that they were supposed to settle down in but what they did they did a good thing they cried out to the Lord and that means prayer that is the same as praying they cried out to the Lord they prayed And He showed them the way, and He satisfied them. One of the best things to do to get hungry is to ask God to help you get hungry. I know there's not been that long ago when I went through a season, it's like I know I'm not as hungry as I need to be. I started feeding myself, but I also started asking the Lord, Lord, you're going to help me to increase my hunger. Increase my hunger. I need to be hungrier. Because if I'm hungry, I'm going to get revelation. I'm going to get direction. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to hear from God. Hallelujah. I'm going to get fulfilled and satisfied. There's no sense in Christians going around dry and, oh, I'm just dry right now. Well, what's wrong? Do something. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come over here and we'll splash some water on you. So why does God value spiritual hunger so much? The reason he does is is because hunger, when you're hungry, you're you're in humility. You're humble. And when you're in humility, it keeps us dependent on him. And he wants us to always maintain dependence on him. And that's one reason that he will always put a vision ahead of us, because it'll make us have to depend on him to get the vision. He'll always give us an assignment Because it makes us have to depend on Him. Amen? Okay, good thing. Isaiah 29. So he gives the prophets words, like, for instance, uh, Ruth Ward Heflin had that word about Alabama. And when we read that, every time we read it, but the first time we read it, all of a sudden, it's like, yes, we want that. That's all. That is good. We want that for our state. It made us hungry. Well, we don't know how to get there on our own. So that makes us dependent. We have to seek him, Lord, for that thing. And that's what he wants to do. That's how he gets us to go higher. That's how He gets us to increase and grow. Okay? Isaiah 29 and verse 8. Hallelujah. It shall be. It shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awakeneth, and his soul is empty. Or as what a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awakeneth, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Zion. Uh God will put a dream or a vision in you. He'll even a a dream of the night, a sleep dream to cause you to hunger, to cause you to want to go on with him. But a dream, a vision, you know what I'm saying. A dream in your heart. Hallelujah. Proverbs 6:30. Just looking at some scriptures about hunger right quick, and then I'm going to give you four things about hunger. Proverbs 6.30 Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy satisfy his soul when he is hungry. Now, it's never right to steal. We're not saying that. And that's not what the Scripture is saying. But it does say that he has to pay back sevenfold if he gets caught down down. But what it's saying is is that hunger is a motivating force. If you're hungry, physically hungry, and you get hungry enough, hallelujah. And if you're spiritually hungry, you'll be motivated. And if you're not very motivated, then you need to increase your hunger. You can tell how, how hungry are you is our question. You can tell how hungry you are by how motivated you are. Because when you're really hungry, you don't let things stand in your way. Okay, so that's a good thing to remember. So when we are hungry, it takes us out of convenience mode. It takes us out of our comfort zone. When we're really hungry, we'll get out of our comfort zone. I think Tuscaloosa County needs to get hungry. Hallelujah. Maybe you need to get hungry. Maybe you're in a comfort zone. If you hadn't grown, if you hadn't changed uh, in the last month, I'll say then you need to get hungrier. Because not enough to change once every five years or something. We need to be constantly growing. If I don't maintain hunger, I become irrelevant in the body of Christ because I'm starting to live off of yesterday's revelation. I start to live off of yesterday's testimony. I start to live off of yesterday's miracles. I don't have a current testimony. I don't have anything God's done in my life today. I don't know what God said today If I don't maintain hunger, all of a sudden, I'm irrelevant in the body of Christ. Okay. God reserves influence or the kind of influence that really transforms people. He reserves that for the hungry. So I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you to eat something. And I'm not talking about let's go to Wendy's after church tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to encourage you to find something to eat this week. Pastor said it Sunday. He said, I'm going to encourage you to, to do something this week. I forget how he said it, but to increase your hunger. Hallelujah. And so I took him on his challenge. And uh, that's a good time to do that. That's when you've had four days of company because you haven't been able to feed like you normally would, just in a normal way even, so I needed something extra. So I got out a, a, a DVD, and I listened to a DVD a preaching on a, from a man that I had not listened to before, but I knew he had a miracle ministry, and it worked like a charm. I mean, he starts talking about miracles, and guess what? I'm hungry. I want miracles. Hallelujah. And so... uh. Uh I encourage you to eat something, eat some spiritual food. we need to sit down at the table and we need to eat some spiritual food and that hunger it, when you get hungry we could you just can watch what god 'll do god 'll start moving in your life you 'll get back in the groove you'll get back to to moving a, and being a, a, and moving forward again and god 'll start moving and god 'll start speaking to you and revelation'll start flowing. And you'll hear more than you heard been hearing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Hallelujah. Matthew 5 3, we won't turn there, but back in the Beatitudes, remember, Jesus said, Blessed are those that are that are poor in spirit. Now that was kind of hard for me to understand for a long time. But what, what to be poor in spirit means is to be dependent. Th- those that blessed are those that really know they need God. Yeah. They're poor in spirit, for it says they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. So we inherit heavenly blessing, heavenly glory, divine things when we are poor in spirit and depending upon God. When we get self-sufficient, we're in trouble. We quit inheriting. Um, uh, so sometimes people think, well, uh, you can have too much prosperity. So we could think about that. Well, how much prosperity would be too much? I know God's never going to set a limit on our prosperity. But I kind of think that when you've got too much prosperity is when you have so much prosperity that you quit hungering. In other words, you don't depend on God anymore you don't see god anymore that might be too much prosperity i believe that that's one of the ways god measures of what he i believe he desires to always pour out blessing i believe he wants to to uh he wants to um, release abundance in our lives he wants to release hearts desire But he always is measuring us and seeing how we passed the test last time. Did we stay hungry when we got blessing? When, when we came from that place of depending on him for food on the table to now it's not hard to get food on the table, did we still stay hungry or did we slip back into uh, old habits and, and not really feeding and not pressing for the word. Cause you know, I tell you, there's something about being like, uh, the, the, they're gonna come foreclose on your car or something like that that will cause you to press in. It really will. I mean, you'll fight. You'll get up in the night and pray. I know cause I've been there. And when you're not having a need that big, sometimes you'll just roll over. And say, I'm going to really try hard to go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're desperate, you'll be like, you'll wake up, you'll just be like. (laughs) And you'll you'll be walking through your house praising God. And you'll be in your bathroom just dancing in the Holy Ghost. Praise God, hallelujah. And just having, you will. I know. I know I'm not preaching what I don't know. That you will! And God measures that and He sees how if we pass the test because He wants to release bigger but He's not going to release something if we're not going to hunger. And stop growing and and so, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. So whatever amount puts you in a place where you no longer trust... David, that was one of the keys. King David, no matter how big he got, no matter how important he was, he was the king of Israel, and yet he had the attitude. You can read this in the Word: "I am poor and needy." And and one of the things, reason God gives us vision is to keep trusting. I think I told you that. Keep us relying on on God. Tom, turn to one Psalm one hundred seven. We're still can go back to Psalm one hundred seven, and we're gonna go to verse thirty three this time. Psalm, and we're gonna see. Uh, this is a cycle that they were, they kept going through a cycle. It says, He turneth rivers into wilderness, Psalm 107, 33. He turneth rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground. Now, if it gets dry and wildernessy, guess what's going to happen? What's going to happen if it's dry and in your, in your, in it's wilderness? You're going to get hungry and thirsty, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wicked of them that dwell there, and He turneth the wilderness into standing water and dry ground into water springs, so they get hungry if they're in barrenness, they're in wilderness, they get hungry now it's it's a it's a standing water and water springs. Hallelujah. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare prepare a city for habitation, and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low. Okay, here they are. They're in all this abundance. They're in all this lushness and water, and their cattle are increasing, and everything's blessed. And all of a sudden, they're diminishing. Why? Because they quit hungering. They're minished. They're low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. He setteth the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous will see it and rejoice and all iniquity will stop her mouth. I think I went past where I was supposed to go, but... And so, here we have a cycle that Israel kept going through. They would hunger because they would be in destitute, in the wilderness, and then they would have all this blessing and all this abundance, and they'd quit hungering, and they'd go back to being brought low. I don't want to be in that cycle. I want to maintain my hunger. Say, maintain Maintain. hunger. Hunger. Say, whatever you do, do." maintain. maintain your hunger. Luke one fifty three. If you find yourself not being very hungry, the way time to fix that is when the first minute you realize it, not wait until you're just a dried up old prune. And you know, it's gonna be harder to make you plump back up. In fact, what do you have to do to make a raisin plump back up? And boil it. <laughs> Hot water is better. (laughs) We don't want you to have to get in hot water, and we don't want to boil you so that you plump up. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we don't want to get to be a raisin. Verse 53, he hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. See, we have that thing there where the hungry get filled, those that are rich and self-satisfied, Which that's what it's talking about Those that are self-satisfied and no longer hungry All of a sudden they begin to be empty It's the hungry that get filled Every time, every time, every time Uh, Psalm 107, 36 We just read that, we won't go back But I I want you, if you notice that It said he gives the city to the hungry I believe he's telling us tonight That I'm going to give Tuscaloosa to the hungry to those that are hungry, uh, he uses the hungry to establish and declare the prophetic over the city. God wants to save our city, not just the people, but he wants to save the systems of our city. Not just Christians here, but you know, he wants the government to be changed. He wants the, the attitudes of the city, the atmosphere of the city. He wants it changed. We talk about our city as a righteous city. We declare that sometimes. Our city is is uh, church friendly. Hallelujah. We need to keep declaring that. Okay? So, uh, he wants us to have kingdom values in our city and a kingdom atmosphere. And he entrusts the destiny and success of a city to the hungry. To those that are humble enough to obey. That are humble enough to be bold. Because you have to be humble to be bold. See that's where this healing ministry is concerned. We will never have healing ministry in this church and 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 get major miracle healings until we don't care what people think. We have to not care what they think. We have to not care what they think if we ever were to fail. And we had prayed for people that we're not planning on that happen but if ever we have to get to the point it's like I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think about if this, you know, and you will never see miracles under your hand until you get to that place where you don't care. Until we're not afraid of disappointment. We said that before. Until we always go for God's highest and best. Because the, because the devil, if, you're, if we're full of pride and we're not humble, will say, well, you know, we just kind of need to be secret about this. And you'll find yourself caring what a doctor and a nurse care think. And why would we care what some doctor and nurse at UAB say? Or any other hospital? Hallelujah. And we're not afraid of persecution. We're not afraid of being talked about in the town. We're not even afraid, well, what will they do to us? What if they come after us for practicing medicine without a license? They've done that before. You know, John G. Lake and people like that. They got on them regular for... Laying hands on people, you're practicing medicine without a license. Huh? We're practicing miracles and we have license. We have authority, don't we? Hallelujah. Uh, so we have to be humble enough to be bold and hungry for divine purpose to be accomplished in our city. Uh, the complacent and the satisfied, they're in a lot of times it's like, well, Tuscaloosa is good enough, just like it is. And it is a really nice town. I mean, if you compare it to some of the towns I've been to, I was like, well, it is nice, but, uh, it's not spiritual atmosphere. No, no, God wants us to, God wants us to change our city. Hallelujah. And you know, lest we be puffed up. I don't like to mention this, but lest we be puffed up. And it's easy to get puffed up. Man, I'm proud as punch. National championship, national championship gymnastics, national championship ladies golfers, national championship lady softball players. I mean, I'm proud. I got a shirt that says love, Crim- the love crimson tide. I mean, I got me a t-shirt, so don't accuse me. But let me tell you something. Just one mistake, and we could be sitting right where Penn State's sitting. And don't think we don't have plenty of people in this town that could put us in that position easy. And pride, in fact, pride invites the devil in. Pride goeth before a fall. Why? Because God pulls you down if you get in pride? No, because the devil comes in when there's pride And he sets you up for the fall. And you know, (sighs) hallelujah. Praise God. It's kind of scary when you think about it. Because it's getting pretty big headed in this place. But I don't, so I don't want the atmosphere of our city to be dictated by that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to believe God tonight and you believe Him with me for a release of grace on River Church for a hunger for what we've never hungered for before. And we've hungered for some pretty good stuff. In fact, we're still hungry. Because hungry people pull on God for an awakening. I know the Lord gave me an example today of chocolate cake. And... uh I really kind of have two chocolate cakes I made, and I made one Saturday, but I have another cake that I make. And, you know, if I was to get hungry for chocolate cake today, if I was to get, I mean, I am hungry for chocolate cake, and I have a good chocolate cake that I make. But let me ask you something. Would hunger be enough? Would I have anything if I was just hungry for chocolate cake? No, And this is what the Lord showed me today. He said, you could be so hungry for chocolate cake, but you have to enter into a process. And the process is you're going to have to go in that kitchen. You're going to have to get out the bowls and the measuring spoons and the cups. And you're going to have to get out the ingredients. And you probably will have to go to the grocery store because my chocolate cake calls for buttermilk. And I might have everything else, but I usually don't have the buttermilk. So i got to go to the grocery store and get the buttermilk. So I have to enter into a process, and there's going to be some trouble to that process. And then I have to mix it up, and I have to spray the pan, and I have to put it in the pan, and I have to bake it, and then I have to make the icing, and I have to ice it. But even then, I could sit it on my counter and be hungry for chocolate cake, but I'm going to have to do something else, aren't I? What am I going to have to do? Eat it! Hallelujah! That's exactly right. And so there's a four-step process here. And the first step is to hunger. I'll never go get that cake if I'm not hungry for it. In fact, you know, when I have company coming, I start looking through my recipe book to see what I'm hungry for, what sounds good, and then I pick out what I'm going to cook, usually based on that or sometimes based on what I think they would want. But anyway, so I've got to have the first step is hunger. The second step is I've got to enter into a process And this is where Spiritual hunger is concerned I've got a hunger I've got to enter into a process And listen to this Only when I enter into process Do I have a right to expectation As long as I'm just hungry I have no right for expectation Why? Because if I'm hungry But I'm not entering into expectation I just want magic I want a chocolate cake to appear on my table. And and so that's the same with our spiritual hunger. If we truly are hungry, if we want to see something happen at River Church, we're going to have to enter into a process. And only in process can we begin to expect. And if you haven't entered into process, then you have no right to expect. And if you haven't entered into a process and started expecting, first of all, if you don't expect, you'll never have anything. And then when we get to... We have to eat, and eat represents drawing. We have to draw. Hallelujah. The process that we enter into may be prayer when it comes to spiritual things. It might be seeking a word from heaven, a breakthrough word. See, hunger will cause us to go, well, I've got to have a word. i got to know what to do. i got to have something to stand on, and so it'll cause us to seek that word that we need for the situation. Maybe it's for health, or maybe it's for finances, or maybe it's for the next thing we're supposed to do. It'll cause us to listen with an ear to hear. That's part of the process. It'll cause us to put a demand on heaven with our words, and we'll start declaring, and we'll start decreeing. It'll cause me to get bold, and it'll cause me to rev up my praise life, because why? I am in a process because I'm hungry. I go into the process because I'm because I'm already starting to expect something but when I but I will get to the point if I stay in process that I am in such I'm in full expectation and all of a sudden it'll be there and I'll have to draw though it'll be in a service the opportunity will be there it'll be here before us but if we don't eat in other words if I get hungry enough I will I will I need to get so hungry that I draw And that's when we'll know that this church is so hungry when you don't, can't even, we can't make you stay in your seat. And we have to start saying, y'all sit down so I can finish what I need to say. Because then we're starting to draw, we're starting to eat it. We get, we start with hunger, we enter into process. Then we then that, that that activates expectation, and then it man, we begin we see a manifestation. The manifestation won't be full blown, but it'll there'll something'll manifest in a service. Something'll happen. It may just be something somebody says, and somebody's got to jump in the flow. In fact, more than we got to jump in there. We got to jump in there, and we gotta we gotta when we jump in there, then it'll open up completely. But as long as I just sit and look at that chocolate cake on my counter. Hallelujah. I may even bend over and sniff it. And, you know. But I still hadn't entered in. Hallelujah. So, Father, we ask you tonight to increase the hunger upon River Church, upon every person. Not just the adults, but the younger people, the youth, the children hungry. Lord, God, you, Lord, give us vision so that that increases our hunger. Give us dream to increase our hunger. Cause us to hunger, Lord, for what we've never hungered for before. And Lord, give us the boldness to be different. Lord, set us free once and for all for wanting to be like other churches. Lord, I believe you brought us to this building because you wanted us to, you wanted us to know we were different. I think you wanted us to know that you didn't want traditional church with a Holy Ghost name. Lord, I believe you remarked us so that you could remake us into something that was your dream, your vision, what you want to accomplish in the earth and what is going to be necessary to bring in the harvest, to overcome what's ahead and to be that manifestation of your glory in Alabama. And Lord, we know we're not the only ones, but we want to be some of the ones that get hungry enough and enter into a process and get so passionate And so full of expectation that we cannot be denied. That heaven is watching us. Lord, there's some changing and rearranging in our hearts that have to be done. There's some prioritizing. And Lord, there's some humbling. We have to humble ourselves so that pride doesn't enter in. Lord, we have to become needy people again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.